Hello, hello, hello. Welcome into ATLK. We are here for another week of great college football, another week of NFL football, and some baseball going on, you know? Had a decent start to the weekend there last week. Georgia managed to play uh, UAB and blow them out, absolutely blew them out of the water, 56-7. to You know, I, I went to the game, attended it. I was there present three rows away from the end zone there. And they looked about just as good as you could for a football team. You know, the running game wasn't all there, but that didn't matter because Stetson Bennett, the mailman, delivered. He came in, or he didn't come in, but he played as the starter due to JT Daniels being out with an oblique injury. Apparently he suffered that uh, two weeks ago there at Clemson. You know, it is kind of is what it is at this point. You know, he's kind of playing through it, I guess. There's not much he can do besides, I guess, rest and recover it. So, JT Daniels, don't know if he'll play this week against South Carolina, but, you know, he gets a nice week off there while Stetson Bennett and company take care of UAB pretty easily, you know. It was a easy win there. Stetson Bennett started off the game 5-for-5, five five, throwing for 200 and... Like 45 yards and 5 touchdowns. He tied a school record in passing touchdowns there. So, it's like, there's not much more you can ask from Stetson Bennett, you know. Coming in in a spot there against a team that they should pretty handle, handle pretty easily, and they do just that. They go in there, take care of business. You know, for the first passing play they ran was Jermaine Burton catching a go-route and taking to the house. We were not even a minute into the game, and Sanford was rocking. It was really great atmosphere being back there, you know, 92,000. Everyone was showing out there, so defense played pretty decently. You know, a couple picks here and there. A really impressive pick from uh, Keely Ringo. Got a pick six from Jamon Dumas-Johnson. That was a really good play by him. You know, Jordan Davis had one of the more impressive plays of the game. I feel like he has one every week, you know. it's Jordan Davis is an athlete. It is out of this world how athletic he is at his size. So, UAB quarterback scrambles out, rolls right, takes off, and Jordan Davis, full-on head of steam there to the sideline, manages to trip him out before, you know, he gets a bigger game than what he did. He only got, like, eight yards there where he probably could have gotten, like, 20, so... Shout out Jordan Davis once again, you know, great game from him. All around a fun time to be Georgia Bulldog there on Saturday, you know. They blew him out. Brock Bowers had an awesome touchdown run there. For a tight end, he is really fast. Like, I, you don't realize how fast he is. Like, in real life, he pops off, like, coming at it. Like, I would, so when he scored there, Basically, he came across, he caught the pass, and he just booked it to on the sideline there. He booked it towards the end zone. I'm in that corner end zone there where he scores, and man, it's like he's just running at a speed that tight end shouldn't be. <laughs> so, he was awesome. Arian Smith also had a similar play to Jermaine Burton and Bowers there. And like I said, they take care of business. Georgia stays at number two in the country. Good stuff from them. Uh, like I said, they like I mentioned a little bit earlier there, they play uh, South Carolina this uh, Saturday. I believe it's a night game there. So night game here in Athens should be a 
rowdy atmosphere as always. So I think Georgia is, uh, when I wrote this down, they were 31-point favorites. 31. So I don't know if that tells you anything about how good Georgia is or how bad South Carolina is. So we'll see if JT Daniels, JT Daniels, I believe, will suit up because, you know, it is an SEC game now. It's not a, you know, pay, pay the team to come in and get beat up game. So I would expect JT to suit up at least because, I mean, he was throwing passes pregame. It just was one of those where if you didn't have to play him, you don't play him. So simple as that. So I expect JT to play. Um, Zeus, James Cook, everyone should be back. Like, everyone that was playing these past couple weeks should be there. Darnell Washington and Tyke Smith, I believe, are still out, but they're progressing. That's what Kirby Smart is telling us, so good news on that front. So, yeah, Georgia should be able to come take care of business. There's not a lot to say about them because when you you know blow out a team like UAB like you should, you know, you name a couple names there that played really well. You know, that's exactly what you would expect. That's what you want from a team here that is number two in the country. So, handle your business. Keep going week by week. Look ahead to South Carolina here, you know. I wouldn't say it's a letdown spot because I don't think South Carolina is nearly as good as when they beat Georgia here a couple years ago. But, you know, you can never overlook them. So, you don't want to look ahead to the next week. So, Come take your business here. You know, should be smooth sailing. So, looking around the country, we got a couple other little college football nuggets. Um, Texas A&M, this is, we'll stay in the SEC here. So, Texas A&M played Colorado. Now, Colorado is not good. They are not ranked. They haven't been good in a couple years there. They had a little bit of a run here, but, you know, that is what it is. Colorado is not a good program though right now. They managed to <laughs> they managed to beat Texas A&M for probably about 80% of that game there. Like they were they were winning that game 7 to 3, I believe. And granted Texas A&M lost their quarterback. Okay, but you're a top 5 team in the country. You're supposed to handle your business. You're supposed to win games like that like how Georgia did. You're supposed to win games like that against Colorado. Maybe not as dominant, but you're supposed to go and handle your business there. So, Texas A&M, probably a little bit of a fraud alert. I don't know. I don't know if I believe in them as a you know playoff contender here, sitting at number five, I believe they are right now, the AP poll. And the big game of the day, the big upset or noteworthy game was Oregon and Ohio State. So, Oregon travels to Columbus, handles Ohio State relatively easy. The defense does their job, but it's the Oregon rushing attack that really you know, wins that game for Oregon there with C.J. Verdahl, who's a really stud running back. I can't believe he's been there still these past couple of years because he's been a really good player, steady on my radar. So, Oregon goes and handles business 35-28, to and... I don't know if I said it on last week or the first episode. I or I just never believed in Ohio State. I really didn't, you know. <clears throat> they came out and against Minnesota, you know, struggled in that first half there to score because they couldn't really figure out how to run the offense as smoothly as when Justin was there, Justin Fields. And so 
once again, that kind of ha- happened to bite them in the butt here. They couldn't make a comeback. You know, C.J. Stroud wasn't able to, you know, dig them out of a hole that Oregon put them in. And Oregon really, you know, got to give props to Oregon for going in there and doing their thing and, you know, getting a tough game, a big noteworthy game, you know, in that playoff resume. Now, it could be coming different, you know, down the stretch if they end up losing a game to a nobody and Ohio State wins out here. That could be a big, you know, a big, big game there that college football playoff committee judges them on. So that's something to, you know, keep an eye on there with Oregon and Ohio State, how the rest of their season plays out. But big win for them. I think they moved moved into four. I don't know. Oregon took a huge jump. They were 12. They moved to the top, like, four or five, which is really big for them. That's... You know, that's right there on playoff. Like like I said, if they if they can continue to handle their I feel like I, I keep saying handle their business, but that's really all these top teams have to do is win the games they should. They're gonna be favored in every single game now, Oregon will. So you just can't fall to an upset team like Washington State, Arizona State, Utah. You can't afford those losses, you know. You gotta do your job and win those games. If you wanna be a real playoff like contender so that was a huge game another uh another big game was iowa and iowa state the little in-state rivalry got there and i apologize to my cousins there go to iowa state but iowa came out and really really solidified themselves as a big 10 contender there with ohio state and penn state you know they went in, the, went in there and managed to get the win. Iowa moves up. Iowa moves up to five, I believe. I'm, I keep saying all these teams are all these teams are kind of bunched together there, like four through seven. It's like the it's like teams I've talked about in Clemson. They're all kind of grouped there, you know, right now. Like kind of looking on the outside of the Alabama, Georgia, and Oklahoma trio. So Iowa takes a big jump there, and they might be the leader now to snag a playoff spot if the Big Ten manages to do that, if they go undefeated or something here. So keep an eye out for Iowa. Really, I guess Iowa's a team to keep an eye out for. Like, they are one of those teams or those programs that will come out of nowhere, you know, once every couple years. It is kind of like, did this a couple years ago. I think they were number five. They went to the Rose Bowl. These It's one of them programs where they just, they do it once every, like, four years. You know, they come... Come in and leave right out next season. So, Iowa's, you know, puts themselves high up there. And I believe that's most of the majority of the, like, important games. This week was a lot of cupcakes because, you know, teams had their big openers last week. The games I mentioned were kind of the, you know, big games that were happening. And so, I think we touched on most of the college football scene there. Like I said, it was... Like, Alabama blew out Mercer, Oklahoma, I don't even know, who, Oklahoma probably blew out someone, I don't, you know, it was, like I said, it was a pretty easy week for the big dogs, they did all their games last week, you know, whatever, so, so good stuff for college football there, now I guess we'll shift gears to the other Atlanta football team, or Georgia football team, I should say. And I don't know how I can qualify them as a football team because they're really a mess after week one. We're only one week into the season, and they're already a mess. So 
the Atlanta Falcons at home come out, drive the field against the Eagles, and don't score in the red zone. Okay. Okay, whatever. Yeah, we, we yeah, we've heard that before, but you know what they got there. Surely they'll score some point. You know, they move the ball well. 14 play drive. Okay, just get your points, be happy about it. You know, feels good, so. Kick the ball off. Philadelphia takes it. And I believe they drive the field, score a touchdown to Devontae Smith. So Okay, so the defense is bad. Wow. Okay, didn't see that one coming. Whoa, shocker. Whatever. Okay. They Good for Jalen Hurts. He looks good, so. You know, Falcons, get the ball back. You know, go go score a touchdown by yourself. You know, you got to the red zone once. You know, you looked good there. Go go do it again. Well, they drive the field once again, but they don't score a touchdown. They kick another field goal in the red zone, despite being right there. And that hurts. It really does, because after that, the offense goes non-existent. Like, they weren't even there. They, After those two field goals, they disappeared. They left the building. Exit stage left, Falcons offense. There they go. Poof. Gone. No, Never to be heard from again. Meanwhile, the Eagles have their way with the Falcons and dink and dunk their way all the way down the field. No no real you know, reason. I mean, the thing is, the defense kept the Falcons offense in this game. The defense wasn't perfect by any means, but they looked better than they have in a long time. I really mean that. Like, they played good towards the end of last year, but like opening up a season, the Falcons defense doesn't look this good in uh, multiple years. Like getting consistent stops, like getting stops when they need to. It wasn't pretty, but they got stops. They got enough. But Atlanta's offense, they just they did a disappearing act. They did a Houdini, you know. One minute they're there, one minute they're not. So that was not not good at all. Now I'll give a couple shout outs to the offense. I think that the running rushing attack looked better than it has in a long little minute. Mainly Cordell Patterson was shockingly enough the leading rusher for the Falcons and he looked good. You know, I think they had like 95 yards rushing in the first half. And I mean that's really, that's really good compared to the how it's looked in the past couple years, you know. You know, it's nice to see, but that's not something that you can really continue if you're trying to fight from behind. The passing attack looked pretty, pretty brutal. Now, people will ask, people like make the argument Matt Ryan and the passing attack need to get better. Well, passing attack, passing attack can't get better if the offensive line isn't blocking straight up. If the offensive line isn't blocking, you can't let routes develop. Matt Ryan can't look everywhere if he's running everywhere. It's just simply not feasible. Now, you'll tell me, Matt Ryan needs to get the ball out quicker then. Well, well, great listener, let me tell you this. So, Jalen Mayfield, left guard, rookie. He's a rookie. Okay, I'll cut him a little bit of slack. But he had a 1.8 grade on passive blocking. Now, 
I don't think I've ever seen a grade in the single digits, much less at 1.8. That's inexcusable. <laughs> he was getting bullied and pushed around. He made the Eagles defense look like like we had they had like four Lords Taylors all on the D-line. It was awful. Jake Matthews did okay. Chris Lindstrom, right guard, did okay. Um, the other three, it was it was so ugly. It was it was disgusting. It really was. It was not what you want to see from an offensive line. They got pushed around. They got pushed around like some babies. It was really sad. You know, I read a stat. I got Matt Ryan was wasn't responsible for any of the pressures, hurries, hits, or sacks that were happening to him on Sunday. That means Matt Ryan didn't, like, run into sacks. Like, you know, quarterbacks will, you know, accidentally back up into a sack, step where they shouldn't, or they'll get, you know, run up and they'll get hit as they throw, and that's their fault. Matt Ryan had none of those. Zero. The offensive line crapped their pants. Once the Falcons got behind, the Eagles pinned back their ears and they went right after them and the Falcons fell right into their hands and they just simply got blown out. They got simply blown away by the Eagles' pass rush, which which I'll give them credit to. They are a decent group of players. They're not a bad unit at all, but they are not a top five unit in the league as they looked like on Sunday. They're not, so you know. That's just, it's unacceptable. It's really unacceptable, especially from a head coach where his background is, you know, offensive line, you know, offensive line play, big, tough, physical guy, you know. That's just, you can't have that stuff. So we'll see how they adjust here. I think, like I said, the defense... I thought they got good pressure. Great. They got good pressure. The defense's big issue was not being able to wrap up onto any tackles. Now, that's looked familiar like all these Falcons teams have in the past, like, five years. But they couldn't wrap up and tackle. Grady Jarrett was guilty of it as well. So, like, even the best player on the defense is just as guilty as anyone else. So, which Jalen Hurts is a slippery quarterback. He has a decent, you know, decent legs on him. He's able to run pretty well, but, you know, the Eagles' offense isn't the Kansas City Chiefs. That's the thing. They they made the Eagles look like a Super Bowl contender when they're a decent team. They're probably a middle-of-the-pack team. So that's where my issue comes in here with this Falcons team. You played so badly that you made a team that should be in your kind of tier look like it was in the best of the best of the league. So it was a sad blowout, 34 to 6. I'll say like 20 of the points was at the end there. Once the Falcons kept getting turnover on downs, they had a really short field to work with. So a lot of that was that it wasn't at, it probably wasn't as bad as it looked in the scoreboard, but you know, it still was it still was embarrassing, you know. It it doesn't give you any hope. For the season, how it'll play out. It doesn't give you any hope if you're looking at this Matt Ryan contract, even if you love him like I do. You know, you have another year of him at $50 million, which is a lot of money for a quarterback that, you know, he's, he's trying, but, you know, he, he's not spry, youthful. He's not a Justin Herbert or Pat Mahomes. So, 
it is a really a sad look. Uh, they travel to Tampa Bay next week. I think Tampa Bay is a two touchdown favorite or something like that. That is a uh, yeah. That'll be ugly if they were getting dinked and dunked on by Jalen Hurts. I can't imagine what Tom Brady's about to do with all their weapons too. Because you know the Eagles had Devontae Smith, Jalen Rager's an okay player. You know Miles Sanders is okay player, but they're not Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, Gronk, Leonard Fournette. I and then the, the offensive line will be better. The offensive line will be a lot better for Tampa. So and the defense will be a lot better for Tampa too. Like I don't, I can't envision a scenario in which the Falcons win this weekend. As optimistic as I want to be. I just can't because I can't see it unless Tampa Bay really plays down to the Falcons here. I I think it could get ugly in a, ugly in a hurry there. Like there's uh not a whole lot of hope I have, you know. I it seems like one of those I can probably turn off at halftime and kind of know what's going to play out there. So let's pray that they come back prepared, you know, Arthur Smith after the game owned that he simply said that he felt he didn't prepare his team enough for the game, which you had a whole off season to prepare. So that's really I don't I think it's more coach speak than anything. The fact they said it is I I think the fact they said it is noteworthy. So whatever, move on to next week. You have to do what you gotta do. Yeah, it's a long season. You know you have seventeen games now. It's a long season. Week one, Falcons lost week one when they went to the Super Bowl. Now, it was a much different team. But nonetheless, they did lose that week one there as well. So, got to keep your head moving forward. Can't get too bogged down. Just the start. So, I think that covers the football talk there. I'll do brief little Hawks note. Um, looks like the guys are back working in the gym. So, that's good to see. You know, training camp, I believe, comes in and like... Training camp, I believe, starts in like another half. It starts in October, I believe. So the end of this month, we got like, you know, 15 ish days, something around there, you know, finish up there and we're right there. Basketball season. We can finally talk some Hawks hoops. You can do, I'll do a little preview on them, I'm sure, at some point. You know, we'll see, go down the roster, how they should project there in the East, you know. So looking forward to it. So I guess we'll move on. We'll go to old baseball with the old Bravos. Okay. Now, the Atlanta Braves. Okay, there are, I have thoughts on the Braves because they are currently in a little bit of a rut as I'm recording this. You know, um, when I first started this podcast, they were kind of surging, trending upwards. And they've kind of taken a little bumpy road here, so... Um, they are currently, as I record this since last week's episode, I believe they're 500, four and four. So that's, that's whatever if you're playing decent teams, but they're not, they played the Marlins. I believe in, I think they finished up the nationals at like, as the last week's episode has happened. So nationals, Marlins and Rockies all at home, you know, nine game homestand here. And, you know, 4-4 four and four against those teams that are clearly not playoff teams, and you're not going to the Rockies where that stadium is something, you know. 
That is not a good look. That is really, uh, if you want to be a real team that wants to kind of move past the first round of the playoffs, you you have championship, World Series aspirations, you don't want to be losing those teams. Like, you you don't. That's bad. That's not good. (laughs) Like, you can't do that. So, thing is, Friedman um, played good early in the week. I think he's been playing pretty steady at his Freddie Freeman pace. He's not MVP, MV Freeman. You know, I mean, that was unreal what he's doing. But you know, he's been the steady hand, been the steady star that gets you the at bats you need. So, good stretch for him. Ozzy Albie's early in the week had a monster stretch there with home runs out the wazoo. Daisy Swanson's kind of been back to his streaky self. Whatever. Austin Riley's getting good at bats. Um. The trade de- trade deadline acquisitions, you just can't say enough about those guys. Solaire keeps getting on base. Eddie Rosario's starting to come around now and hit home runs. Duvall's going to maybe hit 40 home runs on the season. He's hitting he's hitting one nearly every other night. It's been awesome. And, you know, those guys have been really instrumental. And I guess the thing you could say is the starters haven't been spectacular, but... They've been allowing home runs, it feels like, more often than they have the most rest of the year. But, I mean, they're not giving up a ton of runs. They're not putting this team in a massive hole. That's the issue here. You know, the bullpen's keeping the game still in reach. It's it's really the offense's fault that, like, not everyone is on the same page every night. You'll get performances from Freeman one night, Albies one night, then Duvall one night, and Riley one night, and no one else will show up, you know? You can't have inconsistencies with the offense, especially if your pitching is doing its job. It just seems like they're not they're not doing their job at the right time. They're they're it's kind of early in the season. like it was like earlier in the season, except it's not as ugly, where not every unit can kind of come together on one night and put it all together. So either the bullpen will allow a couple bad singles here, or the starters will allow a couple homers that put them down early, you know, it's, it's all this, like, little plays, it's all, like, if one play goes their way, then the Braves would win, you know, they're not digging down and winning those games that they should be in extending this division lead, now, luckily for them, the Phillies and Mets have been equally as goofy as them, and they still hold, like, a four and a half, four game lead on the NL East, and you know, I think the percentages are going up that they should win the division, but you know, that's still you still want to win games so that way you can win the division quicker. But that's kind of the situation they're in. They need to really kind of dig in here, get through this stretch, get through the end of the season here, lock in for the playoffs. So take care or lock in for the division, lock in your playoff seating, and go to the playoffs and come together. I don't know how you I don't know how they would come together here, but every unit has to be right. Figure out how this playoff roster is going to look cuz you got players on the bench now that might have to be left off, bullpen arms might have to get left off. You know, you have a good issue here and you have a you have a good group of guys here that can all make this postseason roster a good roster. So quick shouts out to uh you know Jacob Webb and Sean Newcomb. They really had a rough, rough patch there. They did not look like they belonged in Major League Baseball, but they've turned it around. A.J. Minter, that's another name. He 
He's turned around and has looked really, really awesome. You know, Jacob Webb, fan, Jacob Webb Fan Club is still, you know, taking members. It is still here. I love Jacob Webb. He's, I think he's a mean pitcher when he really locks in there. I think he's awesome. I really do. So it's great to see him come and be a reliable piece for this bullpen. Another one. Another righty. So that's been good. Uh, a couple notes, little notes here and there. Drew Smiley took it out of the starting rotation, kind of moved to the bullpen. Probably it's like a long arm or, you know, if you need a stretch here after, you know, starters are getting beat up, then you can throw in Smiley. So, and I think Tukey's taking his role. So, Tukey Toussaint had a good little stretch there. I don't know who was out when he was starting, but Tukey had a good stretch there. So, he's back in the starting role. I don't know if that'll be a, you know, staying thing here now towards the end of the season or what, but he's been good. Little little notes here and there, little news and notes. Chris Martin has started a rehab assignment at Gwinnett. You know, he's a, a big righty that we you know have kept, and he needs to get right because he's huge when he's healthy, you know. The big right-handed pitcher we got. So he'll be very instrumental here if he can figure his stuff out. So good for him. Uh, William Contreras comes up for uh, Stephen Vogt. Uh, Stephen Vogt, I think he got inflammation or something. It, it seemed like one of those where, you know, he 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 had a great, he had like a two homer game, and then immediately he kind of got hurt a little bit there. So he's a backup catcher. You won't see William Contreras every day, so it won't hurt his development that bad. You know, he gets to be around the big league guys, but it's a little bit of a note there. So, um, I guess I guess some MLB talk here. Um, the Cardinals have snuck their way into the wild card over the Reds and Padres, and the Cardinals are a goofy, goofy team. And in a one-game wild card, they could provide issues to the Dodgers. Now, I think the Dodgers, who clinched the playoffs already, ridiculous. They'll win, but I mean, if Yadier Molina's there. And it's a one-run game, and they need some, a big hit with a guy on second or something. I wouldn't put it past the Cardinals to sneak that in there. But I, like I said, I think the Dodgers are a different beast. They still can't overcome their Giants, who clinched the first MLB playoff spot, and they're still on pace for 100 wins. What a what a season they're having! Unbelievable. Good for them. So that's kind of the NL there. The ALs having crazy wild card races themselves with Toronto who's been on fire. The Red Sox and Yankees have been battling it out kind of for that second spot or the, I guess either spot, you know. They've been really battling it out. So good good stuff as we got get towards the end of the season here, you know. Really fun matchups we should be on the lookout for and like I said, keep looking out for the Mets and Phillies losing games that they shouldn't be. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure the Phillies blew a game tonight where, like, it was to the Cubs, and, you know, the Cubs sold, so it's basically like a triple-A team. The Phillies blew that game, I think, tonight, so... Phillies are an unreal amount of losing to bad teams right now, and they because they have the easiest schedule on the way out here, so... Kind of crazy there. So well, let's hope the Braves can right the ship here. Like I said, bear down, finish out the year strong, win the division, playoffs, okay? Okay, so we'll move on here to the MMA Minute to wrap up the show. Pretty, 
somber show for, I guess, two out of the three teams we've talked about. And this MMA Minute might actually be a minute long because we do not have a lot of news to hit on. You know, we the past week's been off. You know, they didn't fight this past weekend. It's, you know, it slowed down a little bit here while we ra- while we wait for UFC 267 or 266. Whichever one it is coming up. I believe it's 267. So I'm sure I'll touch on that. I'll touch on that next week as we preview it, kind of heading into the weekend here. So this fight night, though, September 18th, I believe it's going to be on ESPN Plus, if I'm not mistaken. Number six ranked Anthony Smith takes on number 11th ranked Ryan Spann. Now, this isn't a big matchup. It's not like one of those, it's not a fight night where the guy will, go and get a title shot or, you know, be a fight away from a title shot here. But Anthony Smith is a notable name. He's been around the sport for a long time. And he's uh, more of your, I guess you'd say, striker type compared to Span. Span's more of a wrestler. He has a lot of more submissions. But, you know, should be an interesting interesting fight. Um, if I had to bet money on it, I'd go Anthony Smith. Anthony Smith had a good win last time out. Did his thing. You know, he's the higher rank. So, I'd say be on the lookout for Ryan Spann. But I would bet to Anthony Smith. So, I, I think I think right now, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I think I'm like 0-2 on guessing these MMA Minute fights. So, um, <laughs> I hope that I can rebound here. Maybe get a win here on the show. I don't know. So, like I said, Anthony Smith will be my pick. We'll see how that plays out. And next week we'll do a, you know, UFC 267 Volkanovski versus Ortega. We'll do a little bit of a preview there. You know, they've been on the Ultimate Fighter coaches, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, outside of the UFC, though, uh, Yoel Romero, who is a big name, he's a monster of a man. He he makes his Bellator debut, so that'll be an interesting thing to watch, see how he does there. So curious to see if he can win. He's a little bit older, so no promises he'll do fantastic, but you know. And, oh, news that came out tonight, breaking news tonight. Deverson Figuierdo, who was the champ in the flyweight division, 125, has... Uh, I guess they've agreed in December. He's agreed to go challenge for the belt to go get his belt back from Brandon Moreno. Make this a trilogy fight. So, first fight, Figueiredo and Moreno had an all-time fight. I would highly recommend if you want to see little guys hit each other hard, I'd go watch that fight. Brandon Moreno fought his heart out. Maybe he should have won that fight, but you know the champ kind of gets the decision in most fights like this that are 50-50, so Figgy won that fight, kept his belt, they had a uh, a rematch over the summer, and Moreno choked out Figgy there, got the belt, now awesome story, Moreno's an awesome story, you know, came from, came back from being cut from the UFC, you know, got back, brought back in and fought his way up and earned his shot, he's currently the champ there, the 125, and Figgy, you know, Figgy celebrated him. You know, Moreno, like I said, great story, and celebrate him after. You know, the UFC is a kind of a big respect sport. It's a lot. There is a lot of respect. They beat each other's heads in, 
but they respect each other a lot outside of Conor McGregor, who hates everyone because he's a loudmouth. But Ziggy called him out and did not like how he handled, I guess, himself a little bit after being, you know, that he wanted to hold on for the belt for a little bit and didn't know if he wanted to get a trilogy fight with, if Moreno didn't want to get a trilogy fight with Figgy. So he wanted another shot at that title. Moreno said, eh, let me see if I can fight someone else. Well, no one kind of came up that could. You know, the number three or number two ranked guy, he just fought, so he you know, he can't fight for the rest of the year. Moreno wanted to stay active. Uh, I think another guy, I think he's hurt. So, you know, these circumstances kind of led up to this trilogy, and I mean, I think it'll be... a underrated fight it's supposed to be targeted for december 11th which is the 269 card to finish out the year i don't think it'll be a main event because i think dustin poirier versus charles Oliveira, the lightweight champ i think that will be the fight on the main card amanda nunez is already fighting that on that card um because her fight got canceled a couple weeks back so if i'm not mistaken we might get three title fights to end out the year here so that'll be Huge news there in sport, you know, especially the lightweight title, which is the lightweight title is the, you know, it's the division there in the UFC right now. I mean, you can make argument for other titles in, around the sport, but lightweight has been the most coveted here for past couple of years, especially with Conor McGregor and Khabib most recently, you know, so. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how this trilogy goes down. I I would imagine that Moreno will be the favorite because I think if I saw a stat, last time we had a trilogy, basically the guy who wins the second fight normally goes on to win the third fight. That's just kind of how it is. It happened recently with Dustin Poirier fighting McGregor and winning that third one. So look out for Moreno. Moreno will probably be a favorite, but I'd say if I had to guess, it'd probably be like pick him. I think it'd be like a... Minus 110, 110, or 115, you know. So, early odds on that. That's my guess, so. But, yeah. So, I think that's a good place to wrap up, you know. Look out for Georgia against South Carolina. I believe, it, like I said, it's a night game, so it should be round seven. And look out for the Falcons, who play on Sunday there. Um, I believe they travel to Tampa. I believe it's one o'clock game there, so. But look out for them if you want to. I, I won't. I won't like judge anyone who doesn't want to watch it because I, I don't know how much I'm gonna watch it. So, like I said, watch the Braves are still playing out the week. I think they, they might go out west again. I think that's coming up because they're supposed to go play the Padres and Diamondbacks if I'm not mistaken. So they're supposed to go play them and then come back home to finish out the season. I could be wrong on that, but you know. Watch out for them. They they got to get some wins here. So I believe that will cover the Atlanta sports scene for another week. Another great show. I'm glad to be here with you guys along this journey. Make sure to go check out LK Sports Talk. Make sure to you know share this with your friends, family. And make sure to check out Backfield Boys, other podcasts. Got two other buddies, myself, talked about the NFL just had a great, awesome episode come out about week one, so make sure to go show us some love around to everything, you know? I appreciate it all. I'm really grateful. Glad I held out a little bit here, you know, later in the week here, but, you know, got to do the nights when you can, so. 
Yeah, I'll see you guys next week, you know. Looking forward to talking more Georgia football more than anything else.